You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 126. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Today, we're going to talk about the space between. The space between. Before we dive into it, I do want to make some comments about episode 125 when I talked about physical fitness and nutrition. Got a ton of responses. I mean, like 15 different text messages, my DMs, my Facebook Messenger, everything. If you would like to know more about how to get your physical fitness and your nutrition on lockdown, I want you to go over to at From Sobriety to Recovery or at Jesse Mogul or email me or however you already gotten a hold of me and reach out and let me know that you would like more information about the group coaching program that I'm launching in middle of August to help 10 people release and shed. What is it you want to release and shed? Is it 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50? Right? There, whatever that weight might be for you to shed, whatever you would like to be able to learn about when it comes to the kitchen, understanding your macros, understanding quick meals, understanding more about meal prep, water intake, the importance of 10,000 steps a day, whatever it is you'd like to learn. What I have achieved over the, since February 1st, I did without running. I did without spending hours on a treadmill. Yes, I threw in some beach body, you know, high intensity interval training workouts because I just love that feeling of sweat and breathing heavy and whatever it is that you enjoy, you may not even enjoy working out. We can come up with something that works for you and we can do it in a group environment so you'll have accountability, so you'll have support and we'll have the the group think around it. And so I've already got three people who've committed. Um, So I, I, I set it at 10 and we'll see. You know, if more people want to join, make this so popular, I have to break it up into two different groups just so everybody has their opportunity to get on the microphone and ask their questions. So I'm looking for 10 people. If you're one of those people who's ready to make massive change and look, I have made this and really feel me on this. I have made this so super affordable that you would be it would it's available to the masses. I have made this affordable because I don't want people to say, oh man, you know, if only I had the money, I'd do this. If you don't have a gym membership, that's fine. You don't need a gym membership. I did this without a gym membership. I did this with the things I found around my house and you can too. So DM me for more information. I'll set up a quick 15 minute phone call. We'll see if you're committed enough to step into this new world because I, I set up groups. I set up tribes of doers. If you're a doer and you're ready to commit to making this happen in your life, then I'm your guy. If you're going to half-ass it, rarely show up to the calls, sort of kind of follow through with with monitoring your nutrition, and maybe you'll get 4,000 steps a day, you might want to go find someone else who's cool with that because I'm not. I'm, I, I, I create tribes of doers. So if you're a doer, then let's get a hold of each other and let's make this happen. All right? Stand up. Step forward. Raise your hand. I'll call on you. It's your turn. Okay. I've been told that I need to talk more about my programs. And so there you go. I talked about my physical fitness and nutrition program. It's going to be rock chalk Jayhawk. I, it's going to be so amazing. I'm going to literally just take my entire brain and empty it out for you so that you can do what I do. And I'll post the picture of what I was able to accomplish over on my Instagram next time a photo of me shows up on the rotation. Okay, enough of that. Let's talk about the space between. 
Tim is one of my tribe members, and we've talked about anger before. And I want to discuss the space between the stimulus and the reaction response that you have from a stimulus. Every single second of the day, your brain is taking in a stimulus. It's creating a meaning around that. It develops a behavior, an action, a response to it. You get a result, and that that comes back to it and creates another stimulus. As I sit here right now, there is just millions of stimulus is coming into my awareness, whether it be the birds at the bird feeder, the sounds of them singing, whether it be the people playing tennis over, uh, you know, uh, in the, across the park, whatever it might be. I can hear so many things. I can see so many things. And what I really want to be able to focus on here is understanding that that space between when something stimulates you and the reaction and the response that you have right? How do you elongate that? How do you, and we're not even talking about minutes here. How do you elongate that by a second so that while your anger is seething up your, the emotions that come in to your brain get to travel through the amygdala, that emotional ghetto, and and that information gets to make itself to the, to that frontal cortex, that, that, that frontal lobe, that cerebral cortex area in the front of your brain where rational thinking is. It's why we talk about the wise mind tribe, Right, we want to take the emotional thinking and the irrational thinking. And we want to bring them together for a wise mind. So that space between the stimulus and the reaction response is where the wise mind is developed. And we're not looking for minutes; we're looking for seconds here. And I want to. And the reason why this is important to discuss today is because I want to tell you guys about a story of something that I that I witnessed over the weekend. So, um. So let me tell you this story. So there's this car, and it's driving down this street, and it comes across the the road has been barriered off because there is a there's a there's a there's a festival going on inside the city center, and this car can't drive through the roadblock things right, so it has to pull a U-turn, and so in the process of pulling this U-turn, a bicyclist comes out of nowhere in this in this car's blind spot. And the the bicyclist changes, comes out of the lane from behind the Prius and comes out of the blind spot and almost gets hit by this Prius. And in the process, excuse me, in the process of this bicyclist being, you know, very responsible for what just happened, he almost got himself hit because he tried to come out of a blind spot and cut this this Prius off as it was doing a a U-turn. Right. Also, the driver wasn't paying attention into his mirrors and didn't see the bicyclist coming up. Right. So 100 percent responsible for both. What ended up happening right after that, though, is why we're discussing this. The bicyclist starts pointing and yelling at the Prius and starts to ride away from the Prius, but all the while looking back and yelling at the Prius. The driver of the Prius, um, he starts yelling back and just and you can I can just there's all this anger going back and forth between the Prius driver and the bicyclist. And this is the space between where, where rational thought could have taken over from the reactionary response, right? This reaction is what happens where instead of there being a emotionally grounded response, I want to be very clear with my words here. So the Prius completes the U-turn. The bicyclist, because of his anger now from getting yelled at by the car driver and from having his heart rate shoot up because he almost got hit by a car, he decides he's going to chase the Prius down the road. And as he's chasing the Prius down the road, I'm very, very wondering what the hell does this bicyclist think that he's going to do in this moment? And 
this is where I want to stop this story, and I want to play a little game from a book I used to read when I was a kid called Choose Your Own Adventure. Let's choose our own adventure for what can happen right here. So scenario number one, and I want you guys to wonder which one of these three played out. I'm, there, there could have been hundreds of scenarios, but we're going to stick to three. So there's choose your own adventure. I want you to tell me which one you think I bore witness to on this particular occasion. Situation number one, the Prius is driving down the road. The bicyclist is chasing down the Prius. He's yelling at him, right? The Prius person sees the bicyclist chasing after him, slams on his brakes, throws the car in park, jumps out of the car with fury. The bicyclist, not being prepared for that kind of reaction, ends up running right up into this guy. The guy knocks the bicyclist off the bike, picks up the bicycle, throws it across the street, and proceeds to just start kicking the shit out of the bicyclist, just stomping, stomping down on him. Gets back in his car and tries to flee the situation, but passersby stand in front of the car, call the cops, and now this thing has turned into quite the altercation. All right, scenario number two. Prius slams on his brakes, jumps out of the car. The bicyclist, fully prepared for this kind of reaction, dismounts off the bicycle like he's Karate Kid and just knocks this this Prius driver out. I mean, just wham, punches him straight up. Prius driver, he's all, oh my God, what's going on? And the bicyclist just proceeds to just beat down on this Prius driver. I, it, and then he tries to flee the scene. Next thing you know, he gets stopped. Now, all of a sudden, here come the cops. Choose your own adventure scenario number three. The Prius driver, noticing the bicyclist speed, speeding up and chasing up after him, accelerates out of the situation, takes a right at the next available light, and drives off out of the entire scenario. Which one of those three do you think happened? It's important to note that within these three scenarios, only one of them ends with both of the person's lives staying relatively the same. The Prius driver drives away. The bicyclist doesn't get whatever altercation he wants. And the Prius driver gets themselves out of that, out of that scenario, out of that situation. Right now, whatever emotional trauma is left over from the two is up to them to decide what to do with. But in the first two stories, things are never the same again. Right? Like, I, 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 I'm not even going to try to temper this and say, well, maybe it sort of, sort of been the same. Right? Eventually, a couple years later, things go back to normal. Or eventually, a couple months later, when the court costs and the, and the lawyer fees and all the legalities are done or over, and maybe it, you know, somebody got their jaw broken or maybe somebody got some ribs broken. But you know, six months, nine months from now, everything's healed and everything goes back to normal. No. Life is forever changed, and you can't go back to the way that it was before. That is what happens when those first two stories play out. This is the space between. What the hell was the bicyclist thinking? What the hell was the Prius driver thinking? Yelling at one another 
is 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 enough. That's you flipping somebody off for cutting you off. That's you popping off at someone, you know, in a shopping mall because they they pulled out of a parking spot and they didn't see your car coming down. Accidents happen. People did the bicyclist didn't get it on his bicycle that day and say, "You know what? I hope that I cut off a Prius while they're performing a U-turn and I almost get hit, and then I really hope that we get into a fight afterwards that we both end up in the hospital or in jail and our lives forever changed." That's not what the bicyclist thought when he got on his bicycle that day. He thought, hey, I'm at one place. I'd like to go to another place. I should do it and do it on a bicycle. The Prius driver, all he wanted to do was make a U-turn and go about his life. He did not get in the car saying, man, I really hope I get in an altercation with a bicyclist today, perhaps almost kill them with my car. And when I don't kill them with my car, I will then jump out and either get my ass whipped or whip someone's ass. That was not what the person was thinking when they got in the Prius. The person in the Prius simply wanted to go from where they were at to somewhere else, just like the bicyclist. And because they both chose to react in that scenario, instead of just throwing their hands up, both saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't see you, I didn't see you. Bicyclist could have easily said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I should have, my bad, my bad, I came out of your blind spot. It, it, it happens. This stuff happens in parking lots all the time, guys. Somebody cuts you off. Yes, I get it. They cut you off. They could be a jerk. You don't know if they're rushing to the hospital to, for a loved one. You don't know if their kid just, you know, made the made the football team or made or made lead in the play, made the, made the soccer team, and they're trying to get to the celebration because they've always told their child that they would be there to celebrate their their victories. You don't know if that person who just cut you off is having a wildly awesome victory that they're trying to get to or a wildly sad defeat. You do not know what's going on in that person's life, but yet you get angry. You you flip them off, you honk your horn, you let your anger go because you don't monitor the space between the stimulus and the reaction and the response. The stimulus and the reaction and response, this is where everything can change in your life. Seconds for an accident, seconds for your anger to take over and for you to say or do something that you can't take back and a lifetime to make amends for it. A lifetime. And as people who were once very active in our using, I promise you, we have got memories of where our response mechanism gave way to our reaction, anger, and we did things that we couldn't make amends for. How many of us have friends that never wanted to talk to us again or family members we had to make amends for? Hell, step four is about making amends. Making amends is probably a lot to do with your anger response, with your emotional responses in situations with how you handled your emotions and thus how somebody else's emotions were dealt with when it, in accordance to your behavior. That space between is of the utmost importance to monitor. And how do you monitor it? Now, I googled something. and I shot both my College Success Habits show and my Sobriety to Recovery show last night. It took about 45 minutes for me to do both of these. And I wasn't thrilled with the rambling nature of it, even though most of the time I'm pretty cool with my rambling nature because I really felt like this needed to be short. It needed to be succinct. And I needed to hit the point on the nail of the head, the head of the nail, whatever analogy I'm trying, whatever example I'm trying to look for. I wanted it to make sure that this was very, I wanted it to be clear. After just now saying five different sentences that weren't clear, let me get to the point of being clear. 
the space between the stimulus, which is what, it, which is anything that comes into your awareness through your five senses, and that reaction response is huge. And it doesn't have to be a ton of time. The space between the bicyclist coming into that driver's awareness and the moment where he started to point and yell at it through his car, same with the bicyclist, that, right? That space between, if it had been longer for both of them, by a one millisecond, where they could let the information get through the emotional ghetto of the amygdala and get to the, to the, to the prefrontal cortex where rational thought can take over. It takes a millisecond for all of that stuff to happen. But are you allowing your, your prefrontal cortex, are you allowing that rational part of your brain to override the reptilian emotional center of your mind? When the reptile takes over, you snap like a snake. Right? That's, what, that's what psychologists call, call whenever humans respond, react from an emotional place. They're, they're, it's the reptilian brain. This is the part of your brain that's in control for the first like five, seven years of your life. You're just very emotional, especially those first three, four, where you cry at the drop of a hat. Then you can be laughing. It's, you're just, it's all emotion. You don't even know what the frick you're doing. It's, you're just reptilian. It's not until your brain starts to develop, to develop the mammalian part where it can actually start to use the thinking and thought to help it work out scenarios where emotions aren't going to benefit the situation. So when your reptilian brain is out, just picture a viper, picture a cobra, a rattlesnake. It just pops. It's in that one second. It's in that millisecond it takes that snake to bite you that your life can forever be changed. Whereas if you see the snake and you step away from the snake, you allow your mammalian brain to take over, now all of a sudden you can go around the snake. The snake doesn't bite you. You don't have poison coursing through your veins, which is what anger is. Anger is poison coursing through your veins. It takes a millisecond to maneuver around that snake. But if you're not aware of what your response is going to be whenever the snake approaches you, you will find yourself in reaction mode. And when Tim and I talk about how do you create that space, it's effort. It's noticing little times in your life where you have the reactionary reptilian thing happening inside of you and then beginning to correct it around little tiny things. I don't know why I let anger build up inside of me, but I, I, I don't know why it happens. But I, I do know that holding in my, t- biting my tongue, holding in my thoughts, not expressing myself in situations, it, mind you, in a mature, emotionally grounded way, but not, not, not allowing my emotions to be shown. And again, in a mature, responsible way is what can cause me to start to let anger build up. And it can be little things. It can be the door not being locked at night by my partner. It could be um, you know, the, the garbage or the dishes not being emptied for you. It could be a myriad of things, backpacks in, in, in the hallway. It could be someone cutting you off. It could be somebody at work not turning in a part of their project on time, which causes your part of the project to come late. You've got infinite scenarios, and you're already thinking of 20 in your own mind where you just feel a little bit of warmth. You feel a little bit of anger bubbling and then that bubbling turns into a boil and then all of a sudden it's like you're a cartoon character from the Looney Tunes where you've got steam coming out of your eyes and your whole face turns red. It's in these little moments where you're not practicing your response emotionally grounded mechanism 
that you're missing out on the beauty of creating that space between. It's in the little times where you monitor and, and you take control and you manage your emotions that whenever a bigger occurrence happens, you have now be, you've built up the habit of controlling and, and monitoring your emotions. And it is literally that simple. It is the practice of the stimulus leading to a reaction response and you, you monitoring it and practicing elongating it over the little things. The little things. Do you get frustrated when you go to un- open up the door because you thought you left it unlocked, but somebody inside your house locked it because they just they were told lock doors, and then you walked out without your keys, and then the door got locked behind you, and now all of a sudden you're seething with anger. Work on elongating your stimulus reaction response gap right there. There are thousands of opportunities you have in your life to practice the elongation, and we're talking by a millisecond. Every millisecond counts. It's like swimming in the Olympics. Sometimes they have to time that down to the thousandth of a second. That's how close these swimmers are. That's how much time it it takes for the information to go from your brainstem to the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex. It's just, it literally is milliseconds. But once that information gets to the front part of your rational brain, are you prepared to allow it to take the wheel rather than the anger, the amygdala to have the wheel? Seconds seconds for you to do something that takes a lifetime to make amends for. You can Google, like I did, how to control anger. And this list is ridiculous. You know, and I, and I looked it over. I mean, it's like, you know, count down to 10, take a breath, go walk around, relax your muscles, write in your journal, uh, listen to music, rehearse your response, change your routine, laugh, practice gratitude. Some of these you can do immediately in the moment. Practicing gratitude and writing in your journal and figure, you know, and, and rehearsing your response, those are not things that you can do in that millisecond between when your anger wants to take over and when your rational thought and your calmness want to be in charge. You have to work on that space between, and it comes from practicing. I can continue to sit here and rattle on and ramble off many, many, many different ways. But ultimately, there really, it really just comes down to the simplicity of practicing your emotional responses rather than allowing your amygdala emotional reaction to take over. And these things are happening throughout your day. Throughout your day when you're noticing an undesirable emotion take over in you. Do you read, like yesterday, someone posted something on their WhatsApp group basically calling me out for not being more attentive and and, re, and being more active in their WhatsApp group. Now that I got, I got immediately, I could feel my anger boiled up. Like, how dare you call me out? Why don't you text me? We're friends. Just text me and be like, hey, I put you in that WhatsApp group because I was really hoping that you'd be more involved. Could you just jump in there once in a while and say some stuff? No. Instead, that person chose to call me out as if I don't got 87,000 other things to do. And I didn't even ask to be put in that WhatsApp group. They did it because they, they wanted me to be a part of it. I got other things going on. I don't need to be a part of what you got going on. I didn't even ask to be a part of what you got going on. And then you're going to call me out in a public forum because I'm not being active enough for you. This is where old Jesse gets on, you know, gets on there and pops off in the group forum. And she's the leader of this. That would have come off as very rude. Or I go and I write a text message like, how dare you do that? Next time you just better text me. You know what? Never mind. Just take me out of the group. Right? But instead, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do any. I'm a, I, I responded to him. I said, hey, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll be more active. I went through. I read some of the things, and I commented on a few of the things, and I walked away. 
And I said, you know what? I'll, I'll bring that subject up to them once I have calmed down and formulated a more rational adult response. It's right there that I practice that space between. How often does somebody text you something and before you know it, you've texted them back and hit enter and, you, and it's like four seconds later, you're not even that angry about it anymore, but you've already, resp- you've already reacted. And now you can't take back what you hit send on. It happens in emails all the time. I hear from clients and friends alike. Oh man, you know, somebody sent me a dumbass email and I just, and I just got all freaking crazy with my fingers. And before you know it, I got myself in a situation I couldn't, I couldn't take myself out of. I'm like, yep. When you get a, when you get an email that sets you off, you get up from that computer and you walk away. And that's where breathing and that's where accounting and that's where formulating a, an adult and mature response that's where this stuff off this this top 25 list, and literally, just you can just Google how to control anger, and this Healthline article is going to pop up. And if it doesn't, there's going to be another 47,000 articles that are going to give you the same you know cookie-cutter strategies to overcoming anger, when really it comes down to practicing your anger response in these little moments. Because the more you practice it, the more you can habituate coming from a mammalian rational place rather than a reptilian reactionary place. The space between is where all of the amazing can happen. And if you don't create that extra millisecond, if you don't figure out a way to monitor how you're responding rather than reacting, you're going to find yourself in a situation like this Prius driver and this bicyclist did. And it was appalling to watch this behavior. It was appalling to to just know that both people could have easily have just not had everything happen the way that it did. They both could have just thrown their hands up, apologized, and the whole thing would have gone away. But instead, it got turned into a learning moment. Instead, it got turned into a podcast. Instead, it becomes your opportunity to really dive in deep and ask yourself, are you holding on to anger in certain areas of your life? Can you go find that person or can you deal with that within yourself if it's about your finances or your health? Can you go and and can you formulate a way to work your way through whatever is angering you? If it's somebody else, can you sit them down and come from a very loving, rational, responsive, emotionally grounded place and discuss with them your feelings and what's happening so that you two can work it out? Are you both ready to take on 100% responsibility for the receiving of the other person's information and your response back to them based on that information? This is the kind of stuff that I teach in NLP. This is the kind of stuff that my tribe goes over and discusses all the time. This is why being in a group can be so important. In fact, it's not can be, it is. It will show its merits. It will bring value into your life because you have a you have a group that is all seeking that all the way up life and they're doing it together and they're being vulnerable and they're being honest and no one is judging. We're seeking to understand ourselves and one another at a deep, profound level rather than judging somebody right or wrong. The space between. I know you're dying to know which one of those stories played out. And I'm blessed to be able to tell you that of those three stories that played out, the Prius driver driving away from the bicyclist and not getting out of the car and not turning it into a confrontation is what occurred. Blessed be the ability for that Prius driver to not allow his reptilian brain to take over. Because if he gets out of that car, I do not know what was going to happen. But it was 
not going to be good and life was never going to be the same. And I don't think I'm making that up. I don't think I'm being dramatic for effect. I don't think that at all. I absolutely believe that had that Prius driver gotten out of that car and confronted the bicyclist, that life would have changed dramatically, drastically. And I, and it wouldn't have been, there was no or for better or for worse. It would have only been for worse. Whether the bicyclist got his ass kicked, whether the Prius driver got his ass kicked, whether the, the bicyclist did damage to the Prius or whether the Prius did damage to the bicycle, it, what, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a win-win scenario that was going to come from that driver getting out of that car because the bicyclist thought he needed to chase the car down. Both people were at fault for exactly what happened. And thank goodness that it didn't escalate any higher that there wasn't a beat down from either side. And ultimately, that Prius driver was blessed to make that decision in that moment. That, that Prius driver got to take him and his girlfriend to another place to park, parked that Prius, walked their happy little selves to the Ventura Fairgrounds, to the Tequila and Taco Festival. And that Prius driver got to see tag team scene whoop there it is a song that he memorized in the mid 90s and listened to in his cutlass supreme at volume 50 tag team back again check this record and let's begin party on party people let me hear some noise jesse's in the house jump jump for joy there's a party over here there's a party over there wave your hands in the air shake your derriere these three words when you're getting busy whoop there it is hit me that is a freaking awesome song and then on top of that, Vanilla Ice rolls out, right? Vanilla Ice rolls out doing his thing. Next thing you know, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the stage. Megatron from the Transformers there singing, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go! Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go! Rolls that right into, Play that funky music, white boy! Play that funky music, right! Straight up into, Vanilla Ice, Ice, baby, too cold, too cold. It was a hoot. It is a memory that I will have for the rest of my life. It was the most joyful thing to be a part of. That nostalgia to be able to hear Tag Team, who used to be a part of 95 South, come out and do Whoop, There It Is. And Vanilla Ice is wildly entertaining. He's so much more humble now than he was back in the day. The guy was checked by life. He's gone off. Now he does construction. I guess he's got a whole TV show around building homes for people. It just seems so down to earth, right? Got up there and talked about how we should all unite as one and we should stop being separated because, hey, after all, we're in the same country and we might have a ton of differences, but by goodness gracious, we can find similarities if we choose to. Just like I can find similarities with a bicyclist who almost gets his ass killed by me because I didn't check my mirrors, because I didn't check my blind spot, and I pulled a U-turn thinking no one was around me, but there was someone around me. And I didn't have to start screaming at the top of my lungs, fuck you, motherfucker, that's on you. That's on you, motherfucker, that's on you. I did not, should not, and will not behave that way again. I will sear that into my brain, just like I seared the 300ZX RAV4 story into my brain, just like I seared the uh, XXX boyfriend damn near fight back in Gainesville. I've got memories. I've got these moments in my life where my anger took over, and I almost did something. And in fact, many in, in, in the RAV4 300ZX story, I did do something that almost killed somebody because I drove with anger. 
And at 22, I thought I was hot shit. And I thought road rage was just what people did. It was from that moment on, I seared that into my brain. And I always reminded myself, when you think letting your anger take over is a good idea, you watch. And you never, ever, ever forget what you did to that RAV4 in the year 99 or 2000. Ever. And that day, when that bicyclist started yelling at me, I didn't allow that 300ZX moment to remind me that allowing anger to take over is not the way that Jesse behaves. And when that bicyclist started chasing me down, thousands of scenarios ran through my head about what could happen in that moment. All the while, the one that I was holding on to, the one that was in my hand, the one that I chose and I was not going to release was drive away, Jesse. Drive away. Nothing good comes out of you getting out of this car. Nothing good comes from you rolling down your window. Nothing good comes from allowing this altercation to escalate any more than it already has. Drive away. I now have another moment that I can take as a learning opportunity to remind myself that that space between is where the magic happens. That space between is where my life gets to continue going the way that it currently is or it forever changes. Now I'm aware of it again. Now I'm not just sitting on my hands thinking, la, 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 like everything is about the Smurfs. There are thousands of opportunities in life where somebody else's space between and your space between collide. Are you two going to make the rational decision or are you going to make the reactionary decision? I'll close on this. Later on in that, in that event, Somebody was trying to walk around me while we were dancing to Vanilla Ice. And I'm throwing my hands up in the air and just having a good time. And I almost elbow this guy in the head. And he he jumps back and puts his arms up. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. He's like, no, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I pat him on the back and him and his girlfriend walk away while my girlfriend and I stay standing there dancing to Vanilla Ice and having a great time. That's what mammalian rational response people do. The guy almost gets elbowed by me because he comes up behind me. I didn't see him. Did he know my arm was going to go wildly off to the left and almost whack him in the head? No. Right? no. None of us saw that occurring. But when it did, we both just put our hands up and said, hey, man, so I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, I mean, I pat each other on the back, and we walked away. That one second became nothing but a fleeting memory. And it would have kept being a fleeting memory had I not had the bicycle altercation before. And I remember thinking, that's how adults handle situations. We say, sorry, man, sorry, and we just continue on our way. Let this be a lesson for you. Where in your life can you just throw your hands up and say, sorry, sorry, man, release the ego. Don't have to be right. No one has to be right or wrong. Everyone can just be and let the person just walk away. And you can continue on your merry way seconds, seconds for your life to be forever altered and then a lifetime to make amends for it. I'm just blessed that I didn't have the reptilian brain in charge that day because I don't know what would have happened if I'd have gotten out of that car. But I can assure you, I wouldn't. it wouldn't be as simple as me just sitting in my office chair right now shooting this podcast. Things would have forever changed. And I'm just so happy that they didn't. Okay, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine Glow On. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
P.S. If you want to talk about the physical fitness and uh, nutrition journey I'm taking people on middle of August, you know how to find me. DM me. I'm looking for 10 people. Are you one of them? Show up committed. Be a doer. Let's make this happen. Okay, now I'm out. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.